Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged, bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. Hey, everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. episode of horror movie night this week we are talking about alice sweet alice a, a i almost said a band a movie <laughs> that brian was in a band that was named after <laughs> wait what we were terrible they were well, yeah, really I, bad i assume because you you really need people to just whip you into shape and when you're younger i'm sure nobody whipping you into shape but wait so first of all i'm shocked by the fact that brian was in a band second of all i'm shocked by the fact that brian took three years of being on the <laughs> show to pick out sweet alice after he was in a fucking band named after it yeah a band called sweet alice <laughs> so this is one of those things where all i know is what i grew up on so anything that i found in my 20s to me was like unknown horror and anything i found before i was 13 i figured was like mainstream and everyone knew it and then i found out scott never saw it and i was like maybe alice sweet alice isn't as popular as i thought it was because i saw it when i was young that i mean that had a whole lot to do with colin yes. so there was a, a family friend whose son colin would hang out with us constantly. Who I watched Caligula who, with. <laughs> yeah, he's the one that showed Brian Caligula. 
but he's also the one that showed Brian like. And then we watched 100 Days of Sodom. It was awesome. You know? Yeah. Trick or Treat, Elephant Man, Halloween Alice original, Sweet Alice. Alice Sweet Alice. Like we had like the same routine. Crispy's <laughs> debut film. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Is that the one where Matt? Wait. Is Crispy's debut film the one where Matt was on a bike? On no. a stationary no, bike. No, no, was, no, no. <laughs> no, no. No, this was he for our senior year he made a movie called Christian about a kid struggling with his Christianity and it pissed me the and fuck off. And then he off. made another one in twenty twenty, the same thing, right? Yeah. No, I <laughs> mean Jesus he makes, versus Satan? Yeah, he's been making a lot of the same movie. Um oh, but what pissed we're me have off to cut this. No, no, no. No. It, but he doesn't listen to our pissed, show. He knows he knows that this pissed me off a ton was that I had been involved with our school's like TV studio for years. I had won an award for a documentary that I had made at like a local film festival. Like I was doing some big things. He made this really shitty movie <laughs> that he just shot with his friends. And this teacher gave him like the filmmaker of the year award during our like end of the year, like senior awards. And I was just like, fucking crispy as the filmmaker of the year. <laughs> like, I'm so upset about it. I love the it. fact that Matt is 35 and still pissed off about this shit. I mean, he's my friend. I love him to death. But I told him, I was like, dude, you know that that's bullshit. Like, he, <laughs> like, didn't, he didn't pick it. Somebody else picked it. I know. Yeah. I you know, know. Like, I, was... Here, you know what? I will tell you something. I don't think I've mentioned this on the show before. So here you go. Episode 300 whatever in high school i had two friends named scott so we were the scots right and and one of them was a year older than me and he absolutely fucked me up because he told me about the nine inch nails about fist fucking i don't know i'd never heard the concept of fist fucking as soon as we we post this somebody's gonna be like oh you fucking idiot you don't know what it's called okay uh that's what you sound like in my brain whoever says it so don't say it anyway the other scott <laughs> was one of my best friends from growing up and we are you know still close and i haven't spoken to the other the third scott in you know probably 20 years but uh the reason i bring this up is because he would bring his guitar to school and you know he would want to be the guy that always was playing music we were in show choir together we were in choir together we were in all the musicals together we like we did all the stuff together he would bring his guitar everywhere and i got most musical at, in the senior superlatives and it was because i had a pop punk band that was ripping off green day and blink 182 just so everybody knows i like there was i i do not have any expectation of being a good musician especially back in 2001 my favorite with all the senior superlatives i don't know if brian ever heard this story and i have to use the dude's full name but he's a good friend of mine and we laugh about this all the time was we were reading the senior superlatives on the the TV. The news, like, right? Yeah. Yeah, we would do like the morning news thing. So we're reading the senior superlatives at the end of the school. And my friend Matt Howard won most friendliest. And all of a sudden, from the complete other side of the hallway, I hear a girl that I went to school with named Claudia just go, but that guy's an asshole. <laughs> like loud and clear. <laughs> well, okay, so to finish my story, that that's not my story doesn't end as funny as yours, but to finish my my anecdote, Scott was upset with me because he was like, "Why did you get most musical?" Dude, it's because 
I had a pop punk band and we would play at parties where the jocks would get fucking drunk. You yeah. know, like I'm sorry, you that, were more that happened musical. with our class too. Like one, the kid who was the drummer and singer in a pop punk band won most musical over like the kid who had dedicated like four years. What, of who mastering. went to fucking Berkeley? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he dedicated like four years to like mastering like six different instruments in the marching band, but like no one gives a shit about the marching band. But they're like Clark's band is really good. Like, I love getting drunk to his three <laughs> chords all the time. You, you guys. Know? Took the superlative seriously, huh? Yeah. What did you win? Me? I didn't win anything, but I got pissed. Same. I got I got a lot of people pissed <laughs> off at me for the dumbest reason. And my teachers found it hilarious. I made it into like seven or eight club photos. Um <laughs> you were in none? I was you in none of them. Showing up. And, and, the, and the people and the people in the clubs got so mad. I just like kept Kept going. I don't know why. I just kept. Was that it was senior year? Because senior mom found year. all of your yearbooks. Yes. So I'm going to go so, through so them. So scroll and through. You'll find them. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I wasn't in any clubs, right? But I would pop this in as many thing as I is, could. I would hate have hated you in high school. I would have been like, that guy is such a fucking douchebag. Why is he around? <laughs> so just to show. <laughs> Even so your dumb. face sucked back then. You you grew into your face. So we had our picture. We had a picture day, right? And it was the picture was for the yearbook and also for your school ID. Well, as a senior, you got senior portraits, but you still had to participate in picture day because you needed a what? picture. You needed a picture just for your ID, for nothing other than that. So me, oh, okay. Nick Morrell. And a few other kids, we took permanent markers and drew these big curly mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, real quick, I want to bounce back to Sweet Alice for for a hot second. Yeah, because, the thing that we're supposed to be talking about, well, I haven't talked about for eight minutes. Because I think that if I recall correctly, the way you got into Sweet Alice was essentially that Colin had formed a band called Sweet Alice and he needed a bass player, so he just convinced you to buy a bass and show up and play some songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see no problem with that. That's exactly what I did to my best friend Eric, and we had a <laughs> pop-punk band, that's how I got most musical. Yeah, I was interested in I, I, to this day, think that, because I always, like, I'm still fascinated with drums. I'm obviously too old for to learn it now, but I think I'd probably no, be a pretty no, decent No, that's not true at all. Okay. That's not true at all. He just wants an excuse. Yeah, here nor there. What I'm saying is, I wish I would have <laughs> followed my dream. But just to show you how I'll never do a live stream was, I got lessons for bass. I was actually was terrible at bass, and I knew all the songs by heart. And every single time we would go on stage to perform, this is exactly what I do. I get up with my bass, and then I turn my knob down to zero because I was so <laughs> nervous, and then just play. And then everyone would be like, yeah, I couldn't even hear you. I'm like, oh, you could. I think there was something wrong with my amp. Nope, it must I have been a bad you. mix. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about the actual movie, wow. Alice, Sweet Alice. Because this movie, in the very first second, is basically like, hello, it's 1976. <laughs> like, yes. it is, yeah, yeah, it, it is. is shot and just feels like a movie from the mid-70s from the very first second of frame. Yeah, and if anyone if anyone uh, listened to last week's episode, I do have to correct myself on something I said. It is my favorite slasher from the 70s. It was egregious of me to say it was the best, especially after rewatching <laughs> it, but it is like one of my favorites. <laughs> it's So that's like the funny thing with this movie is as I was watching it, I was like, man, I haven't watched this movie in forever. And I'm watching it. I'm like, man, this movie's a lot of fun. But I'm not going to watch it for a really long time again. Because it's, like, not a movie that excites me. Like, I'm not like, it's ooh, not I'm going to. It's not fun. Yeah, like, I'm not like, ooh, I'm going to watch Alice, Sweet Alice. But, like, I, I never 
am disappointed when I'm watching it, but it's definitely not like like I'm house sitting right now. I could promise you before this week is over, I'm rewatching Alligator for like the hundredth time because like I get excited to pop that movie in. But like I'm never well, it's because excited. you're a world class herpetologist with Great fantastic tits. tits. Yeah. yeah. Before we really get into the nitty gritty of this movie, um, so I watched this movie and was super confused because I was like, I I, I understood ninety percent of it, but the end really fucked me up. The last um, scene does not make sense to Doesn't, me. Okay, great. So we'll get to that. But in my reading about it, there has been so much scholarly discussion about this film. It's crazy. Really? Um, yeah. Really, really for, fight like, school should be covering this more than yeah, our like movie night. We are night. woefully unprepared for this. <laughs> and I grew up Catholic. I've said it many times. Um, so I caught the iconography in every scene because I was about, you know, probably two-thirds, maybe even halfway through, and I'm like... Well, and this yeah, movie was released like, under I'm the name it. Communion. Yes. At, at yeah. multiple and at, theaters. And the Communion poster was so difficult not to pick. The Alice Sweet Alice that I know is the one that has like the mask on the side and the blood and blah blah. I think it's pretty mm-hmm. sure. I'm pretty sure that's the one yeah. I picked. It's been a couple yeah. months. But the communion artwork is so much better. I also think the communion is a much better explanation of what this movie's about because Alice Sweet Alice is almost a red herring as a title. Yeah, but it also wouldn't be a great band name. But but here's the other thing I wanted to say, and then we'll get into the nitty gritty of the movie. There's been so much scholarly research about this movie written, and I read a lot of it because I noticed the iconography as I was watching it, and I'm thinking like that's all intentional, you know, blah blah. blah. But then it felt to me like there are people that are from the future, you know, like in the 90s. Oh, like doing like a revisionist history type deal to the movie? They're basically like adding their own in-person, like adding what they see because of their lives and what, their livelihoods. They're like, well, that has to be imp- like intentional. And I wanted to get both of you to give me kind of a, a, a thought about this where do you think that this movie was piecemealing out all of that super heavy-handed or not I'm sorry not the heavy-handed stuff and but rather like it's saying all the things that people say, think it's saying or do you think that that's kind of revisionist because I have an opinion but I, I want to know movies what you guys as think. a whole are revisionists I think that anytime someone does a full dissection of them for the for the mm-hmm. most part it's all revisionist because I mean, most Night, Night of Living Dead is a prime example, right? Like yeah. Night of Living yeah, Dead. Yeah, and th- that was great when you're talking about that. When, what what zombie movie were we talking about? Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. You're talking about how, and I had never really thought about that, but you're talking about how the hero was never written as a black man. It just he fell into it, and Romero was like, "Well, I guess that worked one time. Might as well do it forever." And that's fine. Yeah. It's totally fine. But I think that scholarly research and discussion always has its finger up its own ass. One hundred. Because like when I was in college, that's why I didn't do English. Well, because I think the flip side is like. Yes, we can do revisionist history of Night Living Dead, right? And and you can do that all day long. Like, hey, it wasn't written to be a black character, so thus the subtext that you're seeing wasn't intentional. But the flip side of that is also like, the dude still casted a, a black yeah, that's man exactly as the lead thinking. hero, like as the lead hero, which is like really progressive for 1968. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I that's like an that's undeniable true, yeah. piece of that it's, as well. It's just <laughs> like, like Alien. It's just yeah. like Alien when they're like, oh, you know, she was supposed to be a guy, you know, or like she was originally written to be a guy. And he's like, yeah, but he said, like, it's interchangeable. He said, this gen, no one in this movie yeah. has a gender. They're interchangeable. Whoever we cast, we cast. Now, it's funny, though, because that works out so much more just based on how phallic that whole movie is. 
it the, worked out like, perfectly. Like yeah. it works really yeah. well. Like it's because it's a movie of, about male pregnancy. So like it it kind of makes a ton of sense that like the female's the only one that like can keep a cool head about things. <laughs> in, yeah. In the sense. Yeah. I mean, I know that if there were people, if there was an alien impregnating me with something, I would not be cool with it. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> point made. So you talked about the poster with the pile of clothes and the plastic mask, and I gotta say, every time that that mask pops up, that plastic see-through mask, anytime I see them, not just in a movie, just out in the wild, they are creepy fucking masks. Mm-hmm. Like, they are some of the oh, creepiest yeah. masks on the wor- in the world. And it works. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to say that this movie doesn't work, and I'm definitely not trying to say that this movie isn't good. And when I said at the beginning of the episode that this movie isn't fun, that doesn't mean it's not important. I mean, I think that that's something that that gets lost in what we do in this show. And I know that we have hammered on, like, at least for me, I love charmingly ba- charming and bad horror. This movie is a ostensibly it's a good movie. Like, it's yeah. it it really is good for seventies horror. And I don't even like seventies horror yeah. that much. But because of that, it's not fun. You know, like it's yeah. not. It doesn't have that charm. Well, and I think that the other aspect for what you're talking about, about the potentially revisionist history of everything, right, is I think that it's also important to look at it through the lens of 70s cinema because I think that this movie would fall into the category of like a controversial kind of blas- blasphemy Dude, type film. no, it's blasphemous. It's, I would say yeah. this movie is more blasphemous than The Exorcist. Absolutely, because The Exorcist still has God triumphing over the devil, where yeah. this is just basically an insane religious fan- Catholic fanatic. Yeah, and what I think is important about that is like, so I'm going to use this as an example. We did an episode of One Hit Thunder on Sinead O'Connor, and we were talking mm. about her SNL performance, right? Yep. Where she goes up there and she basically calls out the Catholic Church for molesting kids and it ruined her career in 1990 because of like how big of a deal that was. And we were talking about like if an art if if that never happened and an artist did that exact same performance in 2021, they'd be looked at as a hero almost immediately. There would still be pissed off people, but I think the media perspective would be like good for this person for like taking a stand type attitude. And I think that in 1976. You're making this movie knowing that this is going to piss people off and that a lot of theaters are not going to show your movie because of how pissed off it would make people versus like Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth that gets like a wide release where like Pinhead is literally like doing the the Jesus on the cross. Yeah, the crucifixion. So here's a question for you. I I, I love the perspective, but... I would say two things. Well, one is a question. Do you remember if this was shot in Chicago? Is that where it was shot? I don't New know. Is it New the York? Only, the it, only fact I that, it was I mean, West it Coast. feels very New York to me, honestly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, I can't remember exactly where it was shot. Also, the guy wasn't really a filmmaker. He believed he was a... He owned property that was used for movies, and he decided he wanted to do a movie. You, Matt, or anybody listening can... Tell me I'm wrong because I did not take notes on that because I didn't really think we were going to get this deep into it. But I know that he was raised Catholic and had a lot of things to say about Catholicism. So there is that, you know, yes, people may be re- critics may be reading into what this movie is about on a my like a microscopic level, but on the, the 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 forest for the trees kind of thing, it's definitely there. It's very obviously there. But I gotta say, if we're talking about 2021 versus 1976 being sacrilegious. Look at, it, yes, the, in 2021, 
the media, which is mostly social media, is probably going to support you. But then there are conservatives and... and oh, yeah, you're not going to win 100% of the approval Little Nas X just gave a lap dance to the devil in a video, and people lost their fucking minds. So, I mean, yeah. we're not that far away from 1976 with having a Catholic <laughs> fanatic slasher movie. I mean, I, I, I think that... Uh, but also, in that same vein... Art is supposed to be transgressive. Now, I'm not saying that art should be transgressive in a conservative way, because fuck that. Everybody that listens to us at least once knows that we are ultra-progressive in our cultural beliefs. But I guess what I'm saying is that art should be progressive as that a it needs to push against conservative values, because that's what art always is. Conservative values are to keep things the same, and progressive values are to expand and change things. And so, yeah. a movie like Alice Sweet Alice really fits into that mold. Alice Sweet Alice, in a lot of ways, and I, I'd love to hear Brian's thought on this this sentence, but I'll Alice Sweet Alice... I'll tell you what Alice, I think it's about, or what I got out of it. <laughs> I was gonna say, I, I think Alice Sweet Alice, in a lot of ways, is like a serious John Waters movie. <laughs> well, yeah, like, so... Yeah. So, 100%, and I think that that's, like, why the one really creepy guy doesn't, like, because usually... The, the shit, landlord? Yeah, like, usually shit like that really yeah. bothers me, but it... Not that, like, I was like, oh, this is awesome, but it just seemed very, like, John Watersy. But well, that's So that's do you know the story I, of that guy? I don't. I don't. So I need before, you guys to explain it to me, please. <laughs> that guy was just a bouncer at a gay bar that the director saw and was like, I need you in that this movie. That makes so much that's sense. Awesome. And he's like, I so need you sense. in this movie. He's like, I have a perfect role for you. And the guy's like, I'm not an actor. And he goes, I don't care. You are so perfect for this character that I'm trying to craft. And he like li literally had to beg this guy to please be in his movie as the landlord. Yes. That's the, most John the hardest part was to be like, hey, you're going to eat some cat food. Yeah, that's, that's the most John Waters thing I've ever heard. Like, when I was water movie. But yeah, like, so overall, the message I got, I mean, and I'm sure obviously anytime you involve the church, it's it's automatically blasphemy. Right. Anytime you, you bring up the church to most people, yeah. it's automatically blasphemy. But. Part of the reason I love this movie, what I think, and I don't know, this is 100% speculation. I don't think this is like an anti-religion movie as much as it's just like when you take things so literally and put like so much emphasis on on a certain thing like religion, right? You can give, you can do horrible things and convince yourself that it's in the name of good, right? Like Yeah, absolutely. Like instead of like cuz that's really what because it was. Because even the pastor wouldn't have been for this. Yeah, yes. like like her daughter That's why died. she killed him. Her you daughter know? died before like it was a tragedy. Her daughter was killed before her confirmation. She's like, "Okay, the parents have to be or the children have to be punished for the sins of their parents that's why i sinned that's why god took my daughter now i need to punish the you know what i mean it just shows the insanity where it's like yeah. she's just hyper focused on something taking it so literally and doesn't think she's doing anything wrong like in confession no. she was like excited to she go to heaven she was absolutely shocked yeah. at the end when the the preacher or the, the when father what's his face was like Oh my god, what did you do? Yeah. Did you yeah. stab him in the fucking neck? Now, I really only have one criticism of this movie, and it's not even the pacing. The pacing is fine for a 70s horror movie, in my opinion. My only criticism is the gotcha moment. It doesn't fucking need it. We don't need Alice picking up the knife and puts it in a bag at the end. Like, it's a gotcha well, moment that's... It's saying, it like, oh, now sense. she's fucked up, but it doesn't make... No. I mean, I get what they're yeah. going for, but it doesn't fit with the tone of the movie. It doesn't make sense logically. Let's, There's let's all those pause, things. Let's pause for a quick second. Red herring or not, 
Alice has got some problems. Oh, yeah, she's, like, she's, she's, oh, got, yeah. Like, she's like, a shitty kid, but, which makes her a good red herring. I think that was a note that I wrote down like halfway through the movie where it's like, I know Alice isn't the killer, but like she should still probably be seeing a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, Do you think kids got to see therapists in 76? No, they barely get to see them in, in 2001. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As much as Alice at the end really sucks, what I do love about this movie, especially and I think that it did better than most horror movies with a twist is have the twist 20 minutes, you know, till yes. the end no, instead of just I trying wrote, to like put every like, oh, wow, this is who it is. I and this wrote is that I down. I love that the killer revealed there's still 30 minutes left in yeah. the movie because and it's like, OK, we're not Scooby doing the end. Yeah. Last week we talked about the Prowler. You know what I mean? Like, you find out who the killer is about 30 seconds before his face is blown to smithereens and you just kind of have to be like. Oh, I guess he was the person. Like, you have to, like, build your own kind of, like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm pretty sure this is what his backstory is. And the same but thing happens. But that movie is not the same at all because it's about the it's about Savini's kills, man. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no. It's not about Savini's kills. But I think, <laughs> in general, slasher movies, unless it's, like, a Michael Myers or a Freddy Krueger, like, mm-hmm. the reveal, you don't have enough time to really piece together anything beyond, like, oh, that's who did it. And then they're dead, like, 30 seconds later. <laughs> yeah, my bloody Valentine, they had to do a verbal recap. And just like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. him. His mother was killed. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is definitely a low-budget movie. It's got a low body count. There's four people that die. That's fine. But but I think that, like, the gore, when the gore is utilized properly. You know what Dude. I mean? Like, when the ant gets the stabbed in the foot. Kill is the best that, one. Oh, the, my God. The ant getting stabbed in the foot makes me squirm a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Dude, even the pet, the, the sudden stab in the throat of the, the pastor. like Okay, that was the best scene of the movie, in my opinion. Because I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I don't think I, I've seen this movie before, and I forgot that that was about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's it's very very shocking. Brian, I know you're always talking about trying to find your '70s out of the dark. I think you done did it because this was. This was we got we got a little scholarly on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> don't expect this, people. This is very rare anymore. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to Two Dollar Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. Two Dollar Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged, bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. I am what I, I do have something scholarly to say about my double feature, but I'll let you go first because you picked this. What, what's your double feature for this one? Out of respect to, I'm going to do Scream. 
I'm gonna do Scream okay. because of the twist. I, I there is a perfect one, but I, I out of respect to Scott, I'm not gonna pick one of the same what? two movies I always pick. It was gonna be Town Just, That Dreaded Sundown, and it's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because I was like, if he does Town That Dreaded Sundown, it's totally a bit like yeah. you know. <laughs> no, it's genuinely if I if I don't always pick that Ned Wood, it would genuinely be mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm picking Don't Look Now which was a heavy influence on the style of this movie. The guy wanted to make this movie after watching that film. That's why you have that yellow raincoat. And it just just visually, it reminds me of that movie. And I haven't watched that movie for a really long time. I've been meaning to just revisit it because I, I know that it's not so much a horror movie. It's, it's like the seventies hereditary, right? Like it's not a horror movie about, death it's a horror movie about grief yeah and why i will never watch it and if you try and do it on this show i will tell oh, you no <laughs> there is nothing that we could bring the funny with, with yeah exactly don't look now how about you scott what's your uh, double feature I feel like such a doucher for saying this, but because of the very last second shocker, you know, twist, I'm going to have to go with Carrie. Okay. The original of the shock ending. Yeah. And they both have a lot of Vaseline on the, the <laughs> camera, so I feel like they look a lot alike. I would start with Alice, Sweet Alice, and then I end with Carrie because Carrie is more fun. But they're also pretty sacrilegious back to back because, you know, Carrie's mom is another religious fanatic that led to a lot of murder and death. Yeah. And, and right. Carrie's on the tagline. Brian, before we dive into the what did we watch this week, I do want to take a quick moment. If you're listening to this episode and you live in Pennsylvania, tomorrow I will be at Mahonan Drive In for the Critters yes. double feature selling our first new shirt in over a year with the Rolla Crit. D&D 20-sided die t-shirt, but more importantly, just say hi. Hang out at the Mahonan Drive-In. They're pretty sweet, and the Chiodos brothers will be there. There's no, there's no downside to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. It's outdoors, it's a beautiful theater, and I'll be there. So, go. All right, Brian. Okay, maybe one downside. <laughs> okay, there is one downside. Uh, Brian, what is your double feature you want to talk about? Well, I already talked about it, but I will tell you what I watched this week, because we already did double features. Oh my God, I'm falling apart. What is something that you watched this week, Brian? How about you tell us about it? Oh, I watched Wrath of Man or by Guy Ritchie. Oh, I didn't even know he had a new movie. Yes, yes, very good. Is it 2021? Yeah, yeah. Nice. It is for an action movie, phenomenal movie. By far, like not even close to Guy Ritchie's best movie. But what's so amazing is like, it's such a bad, like it's, when you see the trailer and even when you look up the plot line, you're like, what a dumb action movie. But he just finds a way to make his movie so fucking good. Like, he's, he's such a talented movies, dude, fucking The Gentleman director. shouldn't have worked as a movie, and it's an absolute blast. Dude, like, just everything. Even I, I feel like you I brought it You couldn't finish off. that one. Really? Oh, you oh. didn't like The Gentleman? Oh, I, I love the framing of it. I don't even know if there's a Guy Ritchie movie I've enjoyed. Uh, Sherlock Holmes I, 1 and I, 2? Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I do love Guy Ritchie. Think, uh, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> So I was in Pittsburgh recording a bunch of episodes of One Hit Thunder, and we had a little bit of downtime, and we were trying to find something to watch. And I'm not usually one to watch a documentary with other people. Documentaries always feel like me time (laughs) viewing. Um, But Chris was like, yo, I've been hearing a lot of good things about this Nickelodeon documentary. You want to watch it? And I was like, yeah, let's pop on The Orange Years. Have either of you watched The Orange Years yet? No. Yo. Yo. Okay, so it's on Hulu, 
and it is breaking down the full history of Nickelodeon. And those people may legitimately have been the smartest people to ever run a network channel in the world. Like so, nineties Nickelodeon. To, yeah, like listening to them break down like that whole channel. They wanted it to be an educational channel in the same vein as PBS, right? And then they discovered the show, You Can't Do That on Television. And they were like, this is the secret to good kids. Good kids entertainment has to feel just dangerous enough that the kids would feel like their parents wouldn't want them watching it. So like that became the ethos of everything they did. There's like one or two parts where like Chris and I were both quiet enough that we knew that the other one was trying not to to let the other one know that they were slightly crying a little bit. Uh, you fucking babies. Well, they do a segment about, I never watched Nick News, but they used to have their own like news channel. And apparently, I had no clue that this happened, but when Magic Johnson um, came out as HIV positive, they called him immediately and were like, would you like to come and talk to kids about what HIV and AIDS is? And wow. they show him sitting there, but like, they did a they did kind of a gotcha to him in the sense of he was there on the couch with a bunch of kids to talk to them but before it started the the host said everybody who has hiv please please raise your hand and like three or four of the kids had hiv and magic johnson wow. wasn't didn't know that and like the one little girl starts crying that she's afraid that no one wants to play with her now that she has this disease yeah. and like seeing how magic johnson just is so calm with her and is like, hey, like, that's why we're here, right? We're trying to make people know that it's okay and that you don't have to treat us differently. And it was like, it was such a genuine, sweet moment. And it made me respect the shit out of Magic Johnson because I was like, I don't know how I would handle that. I would probably just start crying right there and then, like, walk off the set. Dude, like, I almost just started yeah. fucking crying. Dude, it's you so ass. it's so good. All right, Scott, take us home. How... <sighs> Matt, I love you. There's no way for me to totally shit on the thing I watched this week after that <laughs> incredibly heartfelt, sensitive discussion of the Orange Channel. Just tell us what you watched, and it will, and we'll decide for ourselves. I'll why make it, was it bad. quick. All right. Basically, <laughs> this is going to be the ultra quick cut, fast forward, throat slit. But I watched Army of the Dead because I want to support Dave Bautista, um, and that movie is absolute hot. Horseshit oh. garbage. Did you watch uh, the Zach's whole thing? Later, I watched the whole fucking thing. Me and it was, too, buddy. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was silly fun for about 45 minutes, but that movie is two hours and 45 minutes long. So, and I was telling Megan, because I, I think I hit the first hour in the first night, and then it took me another day and a half to finish the second half or the second part two, second hour and a half or whatever. I was telling her, like, I hate zombie movies. And she's like, why are you watching? I was like, well, because I want to talk about it on the show because we have to be relevant to modern horror as well. The one thing I do like about this is that it's, it skirts all the shit that I hate about horror movies or about zombie movies, which is normal people being thrown into a stressful situation and then they yell at each other for an hour and a half. But what we do get instead is these mercenaries double-crossing each other and then Zack Snyder is like, how can I make these people act like robots? Zack Snyder has never seen a human being in real life. I actually think that he goes home and he sits around like Lars and the real girl, just surrounded by mannequins. He's the dude in Tourist Trap. He doesn't know what a human <laughs> being acts like. Because like every every like movement that the zombie, the fast zombies, the, like the quote unquote intelligent zombies do is what an asshole 
would tell a dancer who's acting as a zombie to do. But not every zombie is going to do a superhero landing. It's so fucking dumb. And people are like, Scott, why haven't you watched the Snyder Cut as Justice League? Because it's four hours long, and the first one I watched was two hours long, and it was awful. And Zack Snyder should not have money. That dude should not be given blank checks to make what he wants because he's not talented. Well, I think the editor, based on the fact that there is a Snyder Cut of the Justice League, I think the (laughs) editor is like what I am a lot of times, where it's like, wow, you're having way too much say in this editing, so let me just collect my fucking paycheck. Because there's no way that that Zack Snyder is not in the editing room because it wouldn't be four and a half hours unless the person wrote it and is like... No, no, you gotta leave that. That's an that's an important. The whole movie doesn't work without that scene. And it's like I think it does. It's like no, 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 no. We gotta leave it. We gotta leave it. <laughs> and the internal consistency of the zombies is completely lost as well. Like the last scene, the gotcha scene at the end of the movie. I'm not gonna give it away because it's still relatively new when this comes out. But just give your monsters some consistency, please. Anybody listening that's gonna make a monster movie, please just have your monsters follow some sort of fucking logic. Because have your people follow some sort of logic. There's something that happens that makes it so all of this, so so shit hits the fan. There's something that happens, so shit hits the fan yeah. because one person, and it's like, in a dangerous situation like that, I would do that. If I was going to do that, I would do that when we're 99% done, not 30. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's not even the most egregious thing about the movie, in my opinion, or the, the most egregious, like, logical leap. Beyond the zombies not being consistent and the virus not being consistent or whatever it is. I'm assuming it's a virus. It doesn't matter. It's not discussed in the movie. The part that I really hate is that my favorite character is the first mercenary to die. My biggest beef with him, and I know I am the minority, he ruins zombies. I disagree, but I also haven't watched Dawn of the Dead 2005 in... I think, no, I think no, you just slow. mean he introduced running, yes, running that's zombies. that's what ruins zombies. Which technically, I mean, if you're going to blame anybody, I guess that would be James Gunn for writing that script, but... Okay, I guess James Gunn, but yeah, like, and then... And then but James Gunn's they, but done a whole lot more good do. with his Dawn of the Dead success than, than yeah. Zack Snyder. Yeah, exactly. but at this point, the, the, he's made him zombies, dude, isn't the fast zombie. The fast zombie isn't the problem with zombies. It's the oversaturation it's the of the, the same story. No, yeah. but the it's fast the zombie is what, this is what starts. It started, they could run. Now we're at Army of the Dead, where they're basically just cannibals that don't have a heartbeat. You know what I mean? It's just like Land no, of the Dead. No, there's two kinds. Oh, there's two yeah, kinds. but the second so kind... The second Yeah, kind. but there are fewer of them because of stupid, you know, plot armor. <laughs> yeah. So yay to Orange Years, but maybe not so much for Army of the Dead. Flip side is like, when has Netflix, when's the, we already said this before, but like Netflix hasn't produced a good horror movie for like four years. So like. Ooh, they haven't produced a good thriller recently either. Hey everybody, that was Alice Sweet Alice from 1976 as picked by Brian. It's moving over to another Kelly who's taken us into the next decade of the 80s. Uh, starring one of the greatest living actors of all time <laughs> in, a, in an early role. So don't miss out on that. Tune in next week. If you week. don't know your ABCs, you'll learn them. Oh, you'll learn your ABCs for sure next <laughs> week. We'll be back with more Horror Movie Night. Yeah.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged, bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 